following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Good morning, I'm Caitlin, and our gospel reading comes to us this morning in three parts. Acts 1, verses 12 through 14. Then they returned to, to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath's day journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a rush of violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Acts 4, 31. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Um. I'm not actually going to give a sermon based on those texts. Um, it's sort of adjacent to them, but um, I wanted to show the, the way that the community of God prayed in the early Christian church um, for reasons that will become apparent soon. But I was, as Caitlin was reading that first text, I was like, wow, they're really listing all the names, aren't they? It sort of was reminding me of like an 80s sitcom uh, opening song where they all turn toward the camera. James, Matthew, Bartholomew. Um, <laughs> If I was a video editor, that would be my project for the next week. Like it. But I'm not, and I have enough projects this week. So, We are continuing today in this uh, series called Recovering Prayer, um, which, by the way, we took a break from last week to do uh, an episode of our What's Saving My Faith series, and I'm so grateful to Sandy Hope for the beautiful message that she shared um, I don't think she's here today, but if you haven't gotten a chance to thank her for that, make sure you do. And if you weren't here last week, make sure you listen to the, the podcast recording. It was really, really lovely. But as we return to this series on recovering prayer, I'm just thinking about the fact that for so many of us, the experience that we've had of the last few years, right, by which I mean, right, and longer in some cases, many of us have had struggles that predate the pandemic, and these experiences have left us in a place where our prior understanding of prayer is actually not holding up so well for us today. It's kind of like a barn that's falling down in the middle of its construction. I love that we prayed for a barn at Artisan Church today. It makes me so happy. Um, and the key word that I've been trying to return to during this series is the word expansive. What I'm hoping to do is expand our understanding uh, and our practice of prayer so that maybe what we'll realize is that it's not prayer itself that we're struggling with. It's the sort of narrow view and understanding and practice of prayer that we might have brought to this point in our lives. 
that's failing us. And if we can expand our definition and our understanding of what prayer is and expand the ways that we practice prayer, then maybe we will be able to recover it as a meaningful part of our spiritual lives. Um, And so on Tuesdays, uh, Doug mentioned earlier that we have this recovering prayer workshop that's been recurring. It's 6.30 Tuesday nights and continues on this week. But on those occasions, we've come together in a little bit of a smaller group to do a practice of a specific type of prayer. And we've done everything from praying with old dusty prayer books to praying with art supplies. And uh, this Tuesday, as Doug mentioned, will continue at 6.30, probably in the green room, with a fresh way of thinking about praying for our friends and for other people. That's on Tuesdays during this series. And on Sundays, I've been talking about different ideas of prayer. And the form that I've been using is pray with blank. So if you were here for the first week, I said pray with a script. And we talked about using pre-written prayers to give us words for prayer when our own words don't seem to want to come. And then we moved on to praying with our ears, metaphorically speaking, which is about listening prayer or silent prayer. Uh, which itself is not so much about listening for an audible voice from God. Someone did come up to me after this, that sermon and say, ah, that, that, that happened to me. I've told you that, remember? Um, but that's probably not the usual experience. So rather, when I say pray with your ears, um, do listening prayer, what I mean is turn off what I would call for myself, not putting this on you, the, uh, the spigot of religious nonsense monologue. <laughs> that sometimes pours forth when I sit down to pray. And if you shut that off long enough, you might just get something from God that God has for you. Um, It's been really fun for me to collect my thoughts about prayer during this series, and I hope that you've found something meaningful uh, in it, whether on Sundays or on Tuesdays or maybe even both. Today we are going to talk about praying with your community. That's why I selected those texts from the book of Acts, that show the early church praying together as a community. I will be honest with you. This idea is a tough one for me. Um, And the reason is because I've spent my whole life in church. And so I have some stories about praying with your community that don't leave me with a great feeling about that idea sometimes. Uh, For example, I have a story of students at the Evangelical College that I attended circled around a young man praying loudly and dramatically for the demon of homosexuality to be removed from him. I have a memory of community prayer. Uh, It was the time in the 80s when a televangelist who happened to be running for president that year paid a visit to my childhood church, and the the senior pastor prayed a prayer for him that sounded a lot more like a fiery speech at a political convention than a petition to the God of the universe. I could tell you the story of the time when I attended a prayer meeting for Christian students at my public high school, which is always an interesting scenario. And as I was sitting there in in the pray out loud part of the prayer meeting, a student Uh, one of my classmates started her prayer by saying, hey God, it's been a while since we talked. And I thought that was so infantile and likely derivative of a scene from Who's the Boss that I actually laughed out loud. And she heard it. It's me. Hi. (laughs) 
I'm the problem, it's me. <laughs> a little confession for you, I knew that as a meme, and only when I googled it did I discover that it was a Taylor Swift lyric. Tay-Tay, as I call her, now we're kind of close. That song is a, a bop. <laughs> Did you like how I used humor to draw attention away from the fact that I was actually the one committing the prayer foul in that scenario? Because it would not be honest, actually, for me to say that it w I was only ever on the receiving end of some of these bad community prayer behaviors. So when I say that we need to recover prayer and expand our understanding of it, it's not just that there's things other people have done that we need to shed. It's also that there's ways that we've prayed that have not been, not only not helpful to us, but perhaps have kind of been unhelpful to other people in their own faith. But we do see all kinds of evidence of the early Christians praying. And when they gathered... Things happened as a consequence and result of their prayers, <laughs> right? Um, I talk to you all the time about how what happened in the early church as those Jewish Christians began to see that the Holy Spirit was doing work in the lives of Gentiles, which was not expected from their tradition or their scriptures, and I've suggested to you that that might be something that the modern Christian church could do as we look toward LGBTQ plus people and how they have traditionally been excluded by scripture and tradition, and yet the Holy Spirit is working in their lives, and we might want to pay attention to that and revisit our interpretations. When I've said all of those things, none of that stuff happens in the New Testament without the people gathering together and praying. Because what happens when people get together and pray sometimes is that God messes up their stuff <laughs> in a great way. And so we should not throw community prayer out the window. One of the traditions we've had of community prayer is something that we just did before the sermon. This way of sharing together in the trials and triumphs of life and then lending our communal voices to a prayer that is as simple as saying, Lord, hear our prayer, which is basically just a spiritual way of saying, listen, God. By the way, thank you for all the feedback on my listen, Linda, aside in one of my earlier prayer sermons. Uh, yeah, don't go back and listen to that one. That was a bit of a mess. But it has stuck with some people, and I hope whenever you see the listen, Linda uh, video, the next time it comes through your feed, you will be reminded of uh, what it's like to pray and insist on making all the noise when sometimes we should be waiting for God to speak. At any rate, um, what I'm excited to do now is to turn the microphone over to a member of our community who has had an experience recently of their view of community prayer changing. And it's powerful. And this, this, the, the power of story is much better, I think, than the power of sermon. And so I'm going to invite Tori Conrad to come up and tell her story. And then I have a few words at the end. But mostly what I want you to hear today is uh, this story from Tori. Apologies for the rhyme. But, I mean, Tay-Tay and I are tight now, so it's, it's just coming naturally to me. So would you welcome Tori, by the way? Make her feel comfortable. <laughs> 
I got really sick. So it started out uh, for about two weeks. I just had cold and flu symptoms, and like any 20-something-year-old, I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. There's nothing to worry about. And then after those two weeks, I started to have neurological symptoms. So it started out that my hands and feet felt really cold on the inside. That's, that's the only way I can describe it. I was struggling to feel temperatures, and then everything just got really weak. Um, I was someone who ran five miles a day, and I was trying to walk my dog, and I would just fall over. I just, and my, I couldn't support myself anymore. On um, on November second, I woke up, and the left side of my face was fully paralyzed. Um, I got really scared at that point, so I went to Strong Memorial. I had to make sure I wasn't having a stroke. And they admitted me for, and I would be in the hospital for the next eight days. So I was in the hospital from November 2nd to November 10th. During that time, I couldn't really walk without assistance very much. Um, I couldn't see that well. And my vision just got really blurry. And um, the other side of my face eventually was paralyzed, so I lost full movement in my face. And then... Um, my liver started to fail. And I had about seven doctors, and no one knew what was wrong with me. I, I was getting tested for every scary disease I think someone can get tested for. So I got tested for leukemia, for lymphoma, for sarcoidosis. They really thought I had lupus for a while, and then they really thought I had MS. And all of those are just very debilitating diseases. Um, on November 18th, I was diagnosed with something called Guillain-Barre syndrome. It's a really rare disease. I think it's been in the news recently. It's kind of it kind of affects vaccines a little bit. What happens is is you get an infection, just a cold or a gastrointestinal infection, and your body creates too many antibodies, and those antibodies eat away at your peripheral nervous system. So some people end up on ventilators. Some people don't live anymore after it. So, um, but I had my answer, and I felt better after having an answer. Finally, I knew what was wrong with me. But there was a lot of scary things still left. I didn't know. They, you know, they, they, it's so rare. I think it happens, I think I said one in every 10,000 people. So some people don't really recover. Some people, uh, they can't really walk very well. And so I was, I felt better, but I was, I was still really scared, and there were still so many answers that I didn't have. Um, to take a step back, just to talk about my faith journey. So I was raised in the Catholic Church, which I love. I have a lot, I have a lot of reverence for. But I never really felt connected to God that way. It just, I was looking for a more personal connection. And when I found Artisan, I felt like, I felt like I had done it right. Like I'd figured it out. Like I was finally getting to know the God that I, 
I think that had always been with me and that I always been wanting to know. And I felt like I had, I had something now. I had, I had faith that was going to give me strength when I needed it and when I was down. And then I went down. I needed it. And to be honest with you guys, I wish I could sit up here and say that it went perfectly, but it did not at all. I wanted nothing to do with God. I wanted people to tell me what was wrong with me. I wanted my doctors to tell me what was wrong with me. And I, I was angry and I was upset and my entire world had been flipped upside down. And um, after Thanksgiving, I was very fortunate in that my mother came and stayed with me for a month, great lady Joanne. And, um, and, but finally, after Thanksgiving, I was doing a little bit better. If anyone knows anything about nerve recovery, it takes so long. Uh, they told me my recovery is going to take upwards of like two to three years. So it's definitely, we're in a marathon right now. But um, I could finally take care of myself again. And uh, when I was coming home, someone from Artisan offered to come and bring me soup to help me feel better. Let's call her Del, because that was her name. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was one of those things, I'm a typical oversharer, so I was not, um, I knew I was going to talk to Dell because I felt really guilty about how I had handled the situation with my faith. I felt, I felt like I did it wrong. And I, that's what I told her. And so she came, she gave me soup. We were standing in my kitchen and, um, I said everything I kind of just said to you guys, but the thing I said is I said, it, it, I, I feel like I have to have been doing this wrong. Like that's, I, at a time when I knew I needed God and I knew I needed Christ, I did not rely on him. That has to be a problem with me, not with God. And um, she was very quick to tell me that that's, that's just, that's not how this works. <laughs> so, um, so the first thing she said was, faith is not necessarily about doing something right that faith is a relationship with God, just like anything else. So like a friendship or a marriage, we do not enter into it expecting it to be perfect. We enter into it just letting it exist and staying when it gets hard. And the thing she reminded me is that even, even Christ on the cross said, you know, why, he asked, why have you forsaken me? Which it was basically his way of saying, why is this happening to me? Which is the only thing I could think. And so I was like, okay, sold, sold. I, I, I believe you. And so, but here's the thing. If I'm supposed to be staying and continuing this relationship, I can't pray right now. I can't do it. I'm too mad. I'm too upset. And every time I would pray, I would say, like, please, you know, just like give my doctors the, the, the strength and the knowledge to figure out what's wrong with me. And then I woke up the next day and they said, hey, if your kidneys start to fail, you might be going into multi-system organ failure. And part of me felt disappointed a little bit. And I just felt guilty because who, who am I to feel disappointed with God? Um, and so I told her, I said, I, I, I can't pray right now. I, I, just, I can't do it. And she said to me that that's why we have a faith community and that's why we have a prayer team. And I didn't really understand before what that meant. So she said faith, she said faith is a team sport. So kind of like, I think you compared it to a Tough mutter, actually, like literally like pulling, you know, like someone is like on, like on a hill and just pulling someone up with them. So we're all at different 
we're all at different points in our faith journey. And when one member of our community is down, that's when the other parts of the, that's when the other parts of the community can stand up and pray for them. And not just pray for them, like we're sending you good energy, but literally pray for you when you can't pray. And so that you know that the Lord is hearing your prayer, even if you are not talking to him. And I, I just didn't understand how that worked before. And I think not only are you connecting with God through your community prayer and through that, and we're making sure that God's still, you know, you're still in his consciousness, there's a vulnerability to it. And it reminds me of what Rachel Held Evans said in that we have to let our negative emotions out because that's how you build intimacy in a relationship. If we can't do those with God, then we're losing that aspect of intimacy that I think we all crave from him. And so when you are vulnerable and when you're giving your community prayer, you're not only connecting with God, but you're also connecting with all of us. And so that way, when you are down, and when I was down, I then realized that once I was ready to come back here, and once I was ready to start praying again, not only were, was God waiting for me, but you guys were too. And I wasn't starting that relationship from scratch. I was just picking it up where it began again. So I think before this experience, I thought of prayer as like a bank. Like, we're all just putting our cosmic energy and we're building up points in this bank and we're just sending all that good stuff. And then finally, when, when, when something bad happens, we can cash it out. We're ready. It's, we, we, we prepared for this. But um, I don't think that anymore. It's, it is so complicated, our faith. It is so sometimes hard to, to understand. But I think it's not like a structure. I think I thought of it as stone and it's so much more comparable to water in the way that it moves. It's like, it's alive, it breathes, it changes because we're alive and we breathe and we change. And so our faith and our prayer is going to change that way too. And as hard as it is to deal with, and believe me, I understand if you're going through this, it is so hard, but it's, it's just waiting for you to come back. This is not the end. This is just the middle of your story. And at a time when I was so sick, I, I kept saying, like, this can't be my story. I, I, this isn't happening. But it is. And it ended up being, it ended up being okay. So I, I guess I want to say that I'm just really happy to be here. Like, I'm happy to be here. But I'm also happy to be here. And just like a tiny health update is your girl is doing great. Um, <laughs> um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so I'm still seeing some doctors, but they told me by all means my recovery. I, I'm one of my doctors described it as relatively miraculous. His words, not mine. So um, yeah, that's it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Wow. Wow. I knew a few things about Tori, but I did not know that you were such a good preacher, and we might need to keep that up in the old memory banks. Oh, that was so much better than anything I could have said about community prayer. Please know that you get to be on both sides of her story. That's the thing that I want to drive home for you. If you're on the side of not being able to pray, 
you should know that you can lean into your community and, and we can pray for you. Not just pray for you that you'll get better, but pray in your place. And if you're on a side of the story where, where you're, you're feeling stronger in your prayers, don't just think of it as a, a chance to pray for yourself, but think of it as a way to pray for others. And not just, again, to pray for their you know, well-being, but to pray in their place when they can't do it. We get to be on both sides of the story, and they are both valid parts of the Christian life and, and of the praying life. Thank you so much, Tori. What an amazing story. Um, I'm not going to say anything else. I had other stuff. This, I, I, can't, I can't top it. Um, <clears throat> I am going to invite you to take communion together, though. As we think about praying as a community, um, this is the sacrament of being in community with each other. It's, it's the meal that we share. It's the, it's the sacrament of sustenance. And um, if you would like to take communion with us, you are invited to do so. You don't need to be a member of our church in order to do this. You simply ought to be seeking to know Jesus more and to come closer to him. And at this table where he has laid out the bread and the cup as ways of remembering his body which was broken for you, his blood which is shed for the forgiveness of sins, you come uh, not only into God's presence but into the presence of your community. And when you take these elements, these basic little things of life that, that by God's miraculous grace become holy and the real presence of our Savior, you do it not only with each other but with everybody else who's ever taken communion. You are united with them in that way. And my encouragement to you as you take communion today, or if you prefer to stay where you are and observe communion, you can do this part too, is to, to look at the person who's next to you in line and to whisper a little prayer in your heart for them. It doesn't have to be complicated. Let's pray together as a community as we take communion together as a community. Our kids are ready for us, by the way, if you haven't gone to get them. And uh, we're going to continue in worship at the table and in song. I invite you to come as the Spirit leads. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.